Subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Hello, ninjas from around the world. Welcome back to the Ninja Selling Podcast with Garrett Fry and Matt Benelli. Yes, here we are. We appreciate you guys joining us each and every Monday and Thursday. If you're new to Ninja, if you're like, hey, I just found this podcast. I've just been referred to this podcast. I'm not really sure what it's all about. There's two things you can do to learn more. One is go to ninjaselling.com where you can learn about Ninja Selling and one-on-one individual coaching, which is what Garrett and I specialize in. And you can also head over to Facebook and join the Ninja Selling Podcast group in Facebook. Over 11,000 amazing people, very active community where you can learn more about Ninja from the perspectives of people who are in it right now, which, Garrett, good morning to you, leads to our topic for today, doesn't it? Good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm great, man. How are you? How's that rib? I'm good. Rib is, uh, the rib is ribbon. It's uh, coming along. It's uh, The doctor said four to six weeks. I am four weeks in after my break, and uh, I think it's four weeks. Kind of lose track of time on the whole thing. And I seem to be right on track. Speaking of tracks, that's going to be the funny thing is I am throwing myself into a race car for this weekend for about three to four hours of racing. Uh-huh. So that's going to tell me a lot about my rib. That's going to give me a whole new sense of how well my rib is doing. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> how's, your, how's your back, man? Uh, the back is good. It's coming along. The The physical therapy is has its elements of Great progress, but also moments of like frustration as recovering from anything like this has. But overall, very, very good. So thanks for asking, man. Nice to start feeling better. You could actually see somebody's spirits pick up when their body is working better. Yes. Uh, there was a little while there where I could just tell you were like a, like a trapped human. You're a caged animal. <laughs> I'm still not running, which is, man, I, this has got to be one of the longest stretches I've never, I haven't run in a long time. So I will be very, very excited when I can come back to that. I have a question for you, though. Can you not run? Like, if you were being chased, could you run? Well, it wouldn't be like running the way I normally run. It would be like this run-hobble type thing. All right. So it's more of the... It's physically challenging to run right now. Okay. (laughs) But if I was being chased by something, I would figure out what I got to do to get moving at least faster than the slowest person around me, right? You only have to be faster than the slowest person. (laughs) That's all that matters. (laughs) Don't have to outrun the lion. I just have to outrun the person (laughs) next to me. (laughs) Oh, And then hope that there's enough time for me to get some distance on the ground. Just kidding. We pull those people along with us. We never leave somebody behind ever, never. Unless it's a bear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. We got a great topic today. Um, We're pulling from our our Facebook post or your Facebook post again. And this actually comes from Kelly Gordon, an amazing agent out in Western, well, I guess you'd call it kind of central Northwestern Jersey. That's when people ask where I grew up. So from Tewksbury Township, I've done a deal with Kelly. Actually, my very first real estate transaction, she was the co-broking agent. And it it was a great deal. It was awesome. So Kelly Gordon... Thank you for this, which she says, she says, I hear something that I'm stuck with. When you work the system, the system works. You find that you're drinking from a fire hose. What do you do to keep everything in harmony? And this is 
Very, very common, Garrett. A lot of people, as they're scaling up their businesses, they get stuck into, oh, no, now I'm just in the business all the time. When can I get back on the business and work the system again? Yeah, this is a, it's an interesting thing, Matt. As you watch, as we watch people come out of an installation, obviously, obviously we get people in a lot of different places when they're implementing Ninja. Some people already have a successful business that's going and they, like Ninja just cranks it up to a different level. Some people are like trying to figure out how to make a dollar and how to make ends meet. And they're like, okay, I, I'm going to implement Ninja. We're going to see where it goes. And I always tell people when they start in coaching, like there's the first phase of like, trying to make things work, just trying to get things to come together. And there's a next phase, which is, okay, now I'm seeing business. How do I continue to do the systems? That always comes up. It's, it's if you're doing all the right stuff, there's this next phase of like, oh my gosh, like I am swamped here right now. And then there's the next phase after that, which is figuring out how to continue to do your systems as well as generate a lot of business, which then is going to lead us more to the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is I'm creating so much business that it's like, again, drinking out of a fire hose. And where do, where do I fit life in, right? I, hey, I thought that the philosophy of Ninja is increase my income per hour so I can have a life. Well, I've increased the income and the income per hour, but life is not a part of that equation at the moment. So how do, how do we capture that back? I mean, I had someone tell me the other day, it's like, well, you can't really take a day off of this business. And I was like, well, well. What do you mean? I mean, the business won't take a day off. That's true. Real estate's going to run 24-7, but you don't have to run 24-7. Not at all. And I feel like we've touched on this a little bit in the past, Matt, kind of down different episodes. But the first thing, is the, when I'm watching somebody get to that point, there's two routes that I see right up front. One is referring business out, figuring out why I usually call it what's your line in the sand. You know, And I always say the line in the sand is getting really clear on inventory and opportunities that are not meant for you. Like you don't need to be doing them. The ones that when you're doing them, you're just dragging your feet going, oh, I don't like these deals. <laughs> these are not my favorite ones to yeah. do. I don't like working with these types of clients. I don't like traveling over to that side of town. You all know when you've been in a car for 45 minutes to go to a showing in a town that you shouldn't be selling in because it's a good friend that referred and your whole time you're driving, you're just cursing the business. Like, what am I doing driving this far out? These are the, some of the lines in the sand <laughs> that you need to start kind of like making some rules about and going like, that's not my business. I can create so much business right here in this general area that I can go out and come back to my family. I can go out and do the things that I love. I can quickly go out and navigate this business and that's this, the trick, Matt, which is getting people to understand how to say no to some stuff politely and gingerly to say, I'd love to help you with that, but I'm going to bring, and this is where I usually go, is we're going to bring somebody else in to actually make sure that person gets the best care and service they can possibly have. But that's my first kind of rule with people is like, can we start drawing some lines? Yeah, that's a really good point because I think um, we don't think about that often, particularly when it's like a 45 minute to an hour. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, I could do that. And and a lot of this does depend on where you are in the country, right? Yeah. Let, let me let me throw it. If I'm in Reading and I drive 45 minutes, I'm in like a total different part of California. Like I we're driving a long way. If you're in New York, 
you're like, what, 45 minutes? Like, what, I'm like two blocks away? Yeah. Like, that's where I'm on my lines <laughs> yeah. in the sand? So I totally, I totally get it, Matt. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you guys have to figure that out geographically. I mean, when, when I was uh, selling real estate in New Jersey, I had a, a large footprint and it was probably too large. I, I will admit that. And I didn't draw those lines in the sand. But once I started to like figure that out and help other agents with it, it's, you see the quality of life shift. And I think... So drawing the lines in the sand is the first thing. And I think in high relation to that is making the choice of how do you want your schedule to be? What are you willing to accept in terms of your time in and on the business? Because as a probably a common example that people think about. It's like, well, that's a young person, single, no kids. Like they got the time. Yeah. And so they have the choice if they want to dedicate more time. That, that was, was you me. in Jersey. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, I could drive, you know, an hour and 15 minutes to do an open house on a Sunday because I didn't have kids. Right? <laughs> Can you imagine sitting on the couch and Jen's going, what are you doing? You're like, it was an hour, an hour and a half away. I, I'm not going to do it. She'd be like, yeah, get, she'd be like, get go, out. like go, like, <laughs> go make money. What are you doing? <laughs> so you're going to have these different stages in life where you choose. I just had the conversation with someone uh, yesterday about traveling and saying, well, is it reasonable for me to still manage negotiations and contract writing while I'm away? And I said, do you want to? Is that okay with you? Are you okay with being pulled away from whatever? He said, Great question. I am. And I said, Great. Then it's perfectly reasonable for you to take that on. Someone else might be like, I don't want to do anything while I'm away. Great. Well, then we need to find a different system. So I think making a decision on how you also want your time to look so that you can then more constructively find the solution to protect the time. Right. So you have the boundary setting of like, Hey, just where do I do business? What kind of business do I do? Like, taking on a com like a small commercial this actually happened to me too in these kind of smaller main you know uh, main street towns you have these old homes that have become commercial properties right which commercial realtors a lot of times they don't touch because it's like eh, it's just like a small little deal and so the residential realtors are coming in and handling it but it's a commercial deal it's a totally different like doing an office lease you know is a big difference than doing a residential lease. There's a different pool of people. And so I would take on these small commercial things until at one point I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to do those anymore because there's people who have better connections that can handle that stuff. And I'm just going to refer out to that. So location, time, type of deals, getting that stuff addressed up front. Yeah. And I want to go back to your the vacation side of this that you brought up. I remember Wynn Washley, he's an agent at the group. Anybody who's been around Ninja for a long time probably has heard the name Wynn Washley. Wynn's in the, in the Ninja Selling book. Wynn, I remember talking to him a long time ago about this, and he said, oh, I'm very clear if I have a working vacation or a non-working vacation. He said, and it is a decision that is made when we're planning the trip. He actually makes that decision. Used to, when his kids were younger, he'd make it with the whole family. Is this a working vacation or is this a non-working vacation? And that's why everybody was on the same page. So when he did break away on that vacation to go put in some hours at work to maybe to, you know, tie up some loose ends or maybe even negotiate a contract, like his family was okay. They had an understanding about it because it's when you set up the expectation with your family that we're going on this awesome vacation and you're like, I'm going to need about two hours every day to work on the business. And then all of a sudden you have a spouse going like, oh, 
like real estate never leaves us. You're always working. Here we go on a vacation. We're supposed to be at the family and doing stuff and you can't even walk away. Like in this tension builds up. So there's a lot of communication that needs to happen, which then leads us to like my friend, Corey Uni, who is also at the group. Uh, he's currently right now in Hawaii for two weeks. I think he may have added in even another week. With that being said, the same thing with his family. I asked, are you going to be working while you're on this trip? He said, you know, about an hour and a half every day. I'm going to be working. We're all good with it. I need to do it so I can enjoy my vacation and could turn it on and shut it off. So that communication, Matt, that you started to kind of bring up on touch on about like working while you're on your trip. I think there's a big dialogue that needs to happen with all the people that are involved in that vacation. Otherwise, hey, you can get some people hostile by accident. Well, and that's not just vacation because at some point that starts to come into your everyday life as well, right? I mean, when you get married and have kids and you have these other responsibilities, is determining, okay, you know, am I going to be responsible for pickup drop-offs? How are we handling weekends? Because as a realtor, yeah, you can work every single weekend if you want to. There's always business to do, showings to happen, consultations to go on. And so choosing that stuff up front, I think, is a great way to then help when that fire hose starts coming. When when the TSW is kicking in and you're like, well, here it comes, you have these decisions already made so that it's easy. Bloop, we're just going to deflect this inquiry over here. And also, it helps you set expectations with your clients. I think one of the most challenging things that when the system really is starting to work and there's more business coming in, we start to see the gaps in our expectation settings, which we don't see if we're not busy. So we don't know that there's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I, I'm handling everything. I'm talking to my clients. Like, it's really, you know, important to get those customer service calls structured, using those to determine, hey, what's the availability look like for clients with showings this coming weekend? And really understanding, hey, when can we go do these things so that you're not getting those texts on Friday? Hey, can we go see property tomorrow? And these things still might happen. But if you're setting expectations in more detail along the way, now there's less time spent kind of handling those urgent requests, those surprise requests, which is, I think, a big part of this fire hose that comes out when the system starts to work. So here's the here's the next thing that I kind of want to lead down here, Matt. Is that so? I talked. I had a gentleman yesterday. I was coaching, and you know he's just like Garrett. I'm a broken record right now. He goes, I'm not making all my calls. I'm not doing all the systems. He's like, and he's, he's just expl- business is exploding right now. At first, when I was coaching him, like I was asking, do you have your 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 time scheduled to make your calls? Do you have time scheduled to write your notes? You know, are you honoring that time in your calendar? He says to me, he goes, I have like five listings that have said, I want to sell. He goes, I can't figure out how to service them. He says, I have so much on my plate, which then takes you to like, okay, let's forget about the phone calls for a second. Let's forget about scheduling you know, notes in right now because you actually have active business that you can't get to because you have so much on your plate. And I think it's really good to, you know, when you talk about drinking out of the fire hose, at what level is your business kind of getting whacked around here? Is it just, oh, I can't do my systems that are generating new business? Or is it, I can't do my systems that are generating new business and I can't even service the people that need my help right now? 
And that is where you need help. Mm-hmm. And so, Matt, I want to, if you're okay, I'd like to kind of change the direction of this to like, when you want to get help, like what are the the pieces in here? Because I have a couple like go-to spots right up front. But I think it's also interesting is that not only with the go-to people that you should be kind of looking at first, the other side of it is, is like, when do you hire? Because when you're yeah. in that point of not only am I not doing my systems, not only am I not only getting to my the business that I've created, now you want me to hire somebody? <laughs> right. Jeez. How am I going to do that? Well, and it's funny because Kelly commented on her own comment that's saying, yes, I'm a really bad delegator, which... <laughs> It's good to know yourself. It's common too. By the way, horrible affirmation, Kelly. We need to work on the affirmation. (laughs) Yeah. Let's switch that around. Just take out the uh, bad and switch it to good. I'm a really good delegator, right? Incredible delegator. Garrett, before we talk about that, I just want to make one comment because this is also something that I think gets clouded is when you have that much in the business stuff, you're also working on the business if you use the opportunity as such. If you have 15 active clients, that's 15 Ford calls that should happen every single day or more because there's maybe more than one party to that transaction. And there's also other people that are involved when you get into home inspectors, lenders, and attorneys, and title, and all these other people that are parties to this transaction. When you're in the business so much, I look at like, oh man, I can't get my hour of power. And it's like, well, the hour of power member is a time block that we've set up to make sure that you're having Ford conversations. Are you having those within your business? And we don't want to forget the raving fans and things like that. But I would, I would at least start to acknowledge like we can have a lot of Ford. We can run a lot of our on the business systems in the business if we pay attention to it. It starts to snowball, Matt. That's the way I look at it. Is like okay, where I was having to actively go and do my systems and reach out and be creative about how I was going to get all these numbers in. There's a point when the business is rolling. Like this is it's snowball. Imagine a little snowball rolling down a hill to this massive cartoon-like snowball rolling down the hill. That one that picks you up and you get stuck in it and have to roll with it. Yeah. That's what happens with the business a lot of times. And Matt, it's a great point that a lot of your systems get taken care of in there. And then that business starts generating media pieces that are going out, marketing pieces that are going out, which your people in your in your database and your sphere get they get experience of that. You do need to make sure you're reaching out to those people. Your signs are probably all over town. There's just that type of visual stuff that starts to happen. So yeah, I mean, that, that's a really important piece that sometimes people think you got to do that on top of all this and it all fits together. Yeah. But at some point, bringing on support, bringing on help, hiring an assistant, a transaction coordinator, a whatever is important for you. I mean, transaction coordinator always first right? It is the number one go-to. If you are drowning, get someone to handle the transactions and oversee the transactions so you're not having to watch all the little details and all the stuff and all the deadlines and all those pieces just get kind of pushed, taken away out from underneath you. And you get to go, I was just given hours back, like hours of time back that if you want to go spend that time with your family, go spend it with your family if you want to use it to generate new business and to even fill the pipeline even more. But so Matt, sorry to interrupt you there, but transaction coordinators, my favorite first hire. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen it time and time again, give people our, um, the lady we had on 
gosh, was that two, three years ago? Was that three years ago? The transaction coordinator we had on? It all blends together. It all feels like last week. She said she saves her agents, which I think she's now exclusive to one agent, somewhere in the realm of 20 to 30 hours a month. Yeah. Something like that. Or no, it's six up to six hours per transaction or something like that, which is crazy. That's a lot of time if you think about it. And it's like, well, if I only have one transaction going, that's not that bad. Yeah, but if you have 10, that's 60 hours, upwards of 60 hours of time that you get to capture back. Not only that, you also are bringing somebody in who is totally focused on those things. And while we think we can do it all, and we can because we're superheroes of the real estate industry, of course, if you have somebody whose sole focus is transaction coordination, think about how good that part of your business is going to be and what type of experience that'll provide for your clients. That's where the, the first is getting over this hurdle Garrett, when you hire somebody is that, well, I need to do it because I'm the best and my clients expect me. And even if that's true, is that the best use of your time? And even if it takes somebody an hour and a half or two hours to do something that you do in an hour, if your dollar per hour is 500 and you're paying them 30 or $40, even if it takes them two hours, it's still more, quote, money saved for you by hiring them to do it. And not to go too far down the rabbit hole, because we've talked about this on previous episodes, but if you hire a transaction coordinator, there's two things. One, you need to trust them. If you do not trust your transaction coordinator, you have a problem. Because if you don't trust them, you can't let go. Uh, you'll end up micromanaging this person that you're supposed to be like giving all these, they're delegating all this business to that you need to release. And I watch it happen with people where they're like, yeah, I did the transaction coordinator and it didn't work. They didn't work. Like it didn't work. It's like, it's like you, you didn't let go. But at the same time, if you start using a transaction coordinator and that transaction coordinator drops the ball or does something that all of a sudden makes you lose trust, you have a massive problem moving forward if you can't regain trust. Yeah. So uh, whoever you bring in, these things, those things will. Here's the other thing whether it's transaction coordinator or assistant, there will be things that happen, errors will be made. And I mean, raise your hand if you've never, ever made a mistake in your business. And I'll put my hand down now. <laughs> Do we have to put it up daily, like every time we make a mistake? Or is it just like at the like in the entirety of your business? It might not be a bad idea so that you get like an acknowledgement of like, whoops, made a mistake. So be okay with the people you hire making mistakes as long as you constructively learn together from it. Because... It's actually better if you keep somebody on who's made a few mistakes here and there that are, you know, simple, you know, even if they're big mistakes, because now they've learned, right? And they're probably not going to make that mistake again. Now, if they keep making the same mistake, that's a whole nother thing, which gets into managing people, which we could do a whole podcast on, which we have and will probably now do another one on since I brought it up. So transaction coordinator, I usually find a really good like an executive assistant after transaction coordinator because they can usually be kind of a go-to between the transaction coordinator and you. They kind of are a good voice and they will pick up the other odds and ends of a transactionator. Trans transactionator. Transactionator. That's Whoa. what we should call it now. That is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Terminator. The transactionator. Uh <laughs> Oh, I got a great visual. <laughs> Walking into the real estate office with just broken desks and everything. And what happened in here? We hired a transactionator. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, sorry. So after you hire a transaction aider, <laughs> I'm going to recommend that you bring in a really good executive assistant, somebody that can oversee, again, all the little pieces, take over marketing, take over all the media stuff that you want to be doing on social media. They will help organize all those things. That's usually my next kind of go-to. Yeah, and which is probably one of the hardest hires because in any of these hires there is the element of, well, how much do I pay this person? Who is the right person? And are they part-time? Are they full-time? And it could be any of these things, depending on who you are, where you are. One quote that stuck with me ever since I heard it is, you know, to be able to hire that somebody, you do have to work both of those jobs yourself in order to build the time and funds to be able to bring the person on. And so... Part of this is, yeah, it's tough in the beginning as you're scaling up and more stuff's coming in. You are going to be working more hours initially, like this path towards increasing your income per hour to have a life. You know, I'd love to say it's this really smooth, linear path, but it, it's just like anything else in life. It has these ups and downs, and there's this kind of push of, oh my goodness, I'm doing a lot more work right now, but I know there's going to be this release because as soon as I bring this person in, this the TC, the executive assistant. And we say executive assistant, I think, with purpose, Garrett. Not just, you know, don't look for just an average assistant or <laughs> a non-exec. Someone who's like who either has experience or has the desire to support one individual at a very high level. Here's another thing is there's power in the title that you also give somebody. And you can watch somebody hold themselves different when you offer them a position of an assistant. This is my real estate assistant to this is my executive assistant. They just... So this is my head of operations. Head of operations. They carry themselves differently. There's a different expectation about what that job entails. And... Also, I think with a really good executive assistant and why, Matt, you were saying you know, it's a little bit of a more of a challenging hire that you have to put a little bit more time and energy into is that they typically become part of the face of your business. They are probably going to talk to your clients. They are probably going to have their, their hands into things a little bit more than just somebody who's just kind of like moving paperwork on the backside. Your TC might at some point talk to a client, but not usually. Uh, they're usually giving you the things that you need to... They might have some emails and stuff, but... But it, it, the assistant, there's a very good chance they're going to be more involved with your people. And anybody that you're going to have inter intertwined in these relationships, those people need to walk away. Your clients need to walk away, getting the same feeling of like, man, I love working with Matt. And his assistant Garrett is absolutely incredible. Like it's so great to have, you know, more touch points and have more communication. Like they've got to bring that energy up too. It can't be like, oh, I got pawned off on this assistant that's like when you're talking to them, it's like talking to molasses. Like, oh, it's like I wish we had Matt back. Yeah. You gotta be careful. That is a really good point. I think um a lot of times we hire somebody just to do these tasks, but then all of a sudden they're they're client facing and we struggle. Right. And so part of that comes into here's the other thing that happens when you hire is now you're also going to be spending more time training that person. You know, but if you think of it like a, a pit crew, Garrett, you know, you have a race car driver. Theoretically, that race car driver could pull into the pits, get out, change tires, fuel the car. Right. I've done it. He could. I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's a lot faster if you have people do it for you and you don't have to get out of the car. Right. Yep. 
So the same thing applies to your business. And if you run that theory, it's like, okay, I need people who are supporting me in ways that create more efficiency for me to be able to do the things that produce me the highest income. A race car driver is time on the track. Like you want to be on the track moving. In your business, you want to be in front of your people. You want to be doing your eye time, your indirectly productive time where you're having those forward conversations. And so anything that... So you got to first, I think, compile all the tasks that you need someone to do and then find the right person, which we did do an episode on this and maybe it's worth doing another full episode on what's a good process and maybe bring some people on, Garrett. But... I look at once that person's with you, have them shadow you. Instead of saying, hey, do this, be like, hey, you know what your job is for the next month? Just watch everything that I do. I want you to write down all the things that I'm doing. I want you to look at the processes. I want you to document the processes because these are going to be things I want you to take over doing. So just watch me do it for an entire month, which sounds like, wait, I'm going to pay somebody for an entire month to just watch me. Well, you're doing it anyway right now. So might as well now just have somebody watch you so they know how you do it, which one, allows them to do it in a way that you like. And two, they can find the little flaws and say, hey, I'm just going to tweak this and make this a little bit more efficient because they're watching and not doing. Just like a good coach. The overtraining up front is really what's necessity. If you take somebody and you turn them loose too fast, it can be very frustrating of, I don't want to have to tell you to do this again. Mm -hmm. Like I've had this conversation with you three times. Well, they're confused. I'll just tell you that right now. If you're having to have the, they don't want to talk. They don't want to be reprimanded again. They don't want to do it wrong again. I get the people are, we're all very alike in a lot of ways. And so for the most part, they would like to do a better job. They would like to figure it out. And I think sometimes we can very quickly go like get frustrated with them. And the reality is just not enough training up front. So Matt, I love the shadowing idea of just like, you're doing the work anyway. You've been doing the work. Let this person overtrain them here for a little bit so that you can let them go and say, okay, you got this. Like, I feel comfortable. You've been around through this. We've talked through all these pieces. We've taken tons of notes. You know where I need help. Let's go. I think it's a great, great way. Well, so delegation, which is a challenge. And Kelly, thank you for your self-awareness of the challenge that's there. But I think, you know, naturally, I don't think we're all the best delegators. And sometimes the best delegators have the... Matt, who can, who can do it better than me? <laughs> right. So, but so, but that, that's the problem we run into. And this is where sometimes the best delegators actually have the best team behind them that says, hey, I got that. I'm going to take that on. And if, if you, anybody has had the opportunity to interview with an assistant company, a virtual assistant company, or even somebody who is a recruiter trying to find you an assistant? Or how about an, a tax accountant? Like, hey, you know what? I got this. Oh, that's the challenge? Here, give that over to me. I'll take care of it for you. That's where all of a sudden you become really good at delegating because it's easy. People are asking for those specific tasks. You know you're in a challenging relationship with your assistant if the assistant keeps saying, hey, what can I do? Right? What, what can I do? And that could be both directions too, right? You have to set up the expectation that, hey, I want you to watch me and just absorb everything and see where there's opportunities to help. Or you need to have a very, very specific kind of guideline of here's all the things that I want you to do. Here's the processes. There's a team in DC right now working on building the entire operations, documenting the whole thing for their, their team. And it's going to be an incredible asset to them because it's going to make it 
really easy for them to hire. It's taking them months and months to put this together. It's going to be well worth it. And that's something to consider too before even making the hire is doing some of that documentation work yourself. Yeah. The nice part about documenting it also is, is that I would love to say that our uh, employees are going to be with us forever. They're not. Uh, there's an actual... Um, one of our coaches, Shelly Culbertson, we want to have her on in the future here because she actually hires knowing that she's not going to have them for very long. There's an actual expiration date on them when they start. And her whole job is to get them up to speed, get them a well-oiled machine, and then like send them off. Go away. Go do your own thing now. You're, you're running at a very high level. And I think it's um, having it really well documented, what you are doing, how you take care of stuff. You can hand somebody an owner's uh, an operations manual and be like, here, this is what you need to be doing. This is the breakdown of it. You should never have to come to me and say, hey, what do I do now? And again, there's reasons that that will make that happen. But for the most part, if you have a good expectation and a good plan put in place, they should have plenty to do if you have a job outline designed around that. Mm-hmm. So... This went down a whole lot of different paths, Matt, that I was uh, at least went deeper than I thought we were going to go. So uh, I like this topic. This is great, man. Yeah. I mean, and, and Kelly, hopefully we helped answer the question because I think there, there could be a lot of other things that are behind it. And just coming back to the harmony component, I do want to just underscore harmony. And I'm so excited to use that word versus balance. And for those of you who've listened for a long time, know that like work-life balance is a phrase that I'm not a huge fan of. I think it exists and I think it's a horrible trap. Life-work harmony is what we're trying to achieve here. And so understanding that in harmony, there are highs and lows. There are different elements that we go through. And so part of this fire hose is understanding it's going to be there. There are things we can do to prepare for it, but yeah, there's going to be these times where we're just working, it feels like, in overdrive. And if we acknowledge that and accept that we can ask for help and seek out help, then it will come to an end, right? It is going to get better from there and, and that harmony is going to continue. And so just to recap real quick, Garrett, you set up boundaries on your business. You make the decisions on your ideal schedule and, and lifestyle that you want to have. Then you go into all these other elements that we've talked about in terms of building up the business, looking for support systems and people and all that kind of thing. Well, and again, just to finish this up, we don't want the business to stop. Like You don't find harmony by having the business stop. That causes a whole different level of stress. So I'm hoping what everybody took out of this today is the goal and the finding the harmony is how to manage the work that you've created, how to manage the people that all are coming to you because they need your help. That if they've decided that you are their trusted advisor, they want you to work with them, they want you to work with their friends. Like you have created exactly what everybody goes, oh my gosh, that's a successful real estate referral business. So with that, I think that that's the, you just need to be aware. We don't want the business to shut down. And that's what can happen with a lot of people. If they can't get the help, if they can't figure it out, then they get into the crazy roller coaster, which is more business than they know what to do with. And then sitting at the bottom going, oh my gosh, what's happened here? I, we have nothing coming in. And then more business to do with. And that is a scary ride. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. It is very stressful. And so uh, again, love this topic. So happy it was brought to the table. And uh, thanks for all of you out there for, for going down this path with us. So to wrap this up, 
If you want to learn more, as Matt said, about the whole grand picture of Ninja, go to ninjaselling.com. If you want to come play with a whole bunch of like-minded friends, uh, you can check us out on Facebook in the Ninja Selling Podcast community in there. We'd love to have you stop on by. Post questions, things that you're struggling with, throw them in there. Uh, that's a great group that will help you. They'll give you great ideas. And if you want to learn more about coaching, as Matt said, you know, our, our day... Our normal day jobs uh, is doing a whole lot of coaching with a whole lot of people. And we got a whole lot of great coaches to help and do that. So um, you can check that out. Just go to ninjacoaching.com. You can also find us on Ninja Selling. And we are just wishing all of you the best day ever. So Matt, thank you for your time and energy. And everybody have an amazing day. Thank you, sir. Thank you, everybody. And thanks again, Kelly Gordon, Keeneland Latman, Sotheby's International Realty. They're in... Uh, Bedminster, New Jersey, I think is the office that she's out of. So appreciate everybody. We'll catch you on the next one. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com. There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.